Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 125 of Manage the Wilds. I'm Nick Madsen. This week, I had the wonderful opportunity to sit down with Toby Boudreaux from the Idaho Fishing Game. He is the coordinator over elk and deer, and it was such a, a wonderful opportunity for me to just sit down and ask them about how they manage big game within their state and the challenges that are following this rough winter that we just can't seem to get over. And go ahead and sit back, relax, hope you enjoy. What uh, what can you tell me about mule deer right now? Where where does Idaho sit with their mule deer across the board? Well, I think we're doing actually pretty good across the board. Um, you know, we suffered sort of a statewide least south of the salmon river bad winter in 2016-17 and um we've actually been rebuilding mule deer populations since then i think the um you know what we've suffered here in the 22-23 winter um was a huge setback uh the interesting thing is is obviously that setback was very isolated to the south southeast and the eastern side of the state so you didn't so, have any issues really further north. Most of it was all contained to the south. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing. No, no, nothing real. Uh, nothing beyond the average mortality for you know. And we sort of move around our fawn mortality um, uh, study areas. Um, some of them are on a regular basis, but many of them move from one place to the other. And we're actually trying to gather cause specific mortality of fawns data so we can feed um, an integrated population model, which we're trying to build to, which we have built actually, uh, that is going to be able to estimate based on sort of a, a few parameters um, in between it will estimate population and survival uh, in between our big surveys, big aerial surveys. So okay. basically it will help for, you know, sort of an annual check-in of where populations are. So, so we're doing that work. And if you look at the, you know, fawn mortality in the rest of the state, and we basically, you know, as a general rule, we're, we monitor, you know, mule deer south of the Salmon River. In, in Idaho more intensely and have been doing it actually since 1997. Um, so what we're doing, uh, so anyways, the mortality um, in the western part of the state and um, central part of the state has has really been sort of more more average than it has been severe. And really, if you look at the weather data, um, you know, from Snowtel, which is the water equivalent, the daily water equivalent. Yeah. I mean, the, those two or three drainages or three sub-basins that, you know, can make up eastern Idaho um, really got hit the hardest of any of them. Um, and you know, obviously the same sort of things um, were felt in Utah yeah. and Wyoming and Colorado. It was a... Uh, and but but Idaho, I think, sort of skated a little bit because it was just a portion of the state. However, you know, we're probably, you know, I think now the last uh, 
spawn mortality measures that I got uh, from the region, which was of last week, the end of last week was we were at 94% mortality of fawns in the Montpelier area. So that's southern, just at the bottom of the state. And that's, is that your worst? That's the worst, yeah. And um, and then it's a little bit less, um, the mortality is a little bit lower. Um, uh, in So we had fawns uh, just south of Idaho Falls, and then we have fawns uh, basically just north of the Utah line. Montpelier is just, you know, not very far from, it's right off Bear Lake. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, um, you know, I, I, it's a ter it's, it's a terrible thing and losing a fawn crop is incredibly hard. Obviously we're also seeing some adult mortality, uh, which, um, you know, when you see adult mortality of does, that means that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to take a bigger step back in the population growth. <clears throat> we had, you know, up until, you know, the first week in January, uh, because we'd had been rebuilding since 2017, populations were doing very well. We actually had proposed, uh, at least from the regions, adding some more opportunity in those places for either sex and antlerless hunting. And uh, as soon as, you know, we didn't even get past the middle of January and all of those proposals for change Got had actually been, been pulled. Okay. Um, because, you know, it's just a, uh, you know, that's what you do. I mean, yeah. when you've got <clears throat> adult mortality, uh, you know, you don't want to be removing does and, and antlerless deer. And we have a, we, we have set up in our mule deer management plan, a, sort of a matrix for when we apply um, doe hunting uh, in areas. And so basically as populations are growing and we're seeing those signs that, uh, you know, uh, that they, that we could, we could take some does off and actually benefit the population. We do that. But like right now, I don't think we have uh, hardly any, uh, well, we don't have any, doe hunting uh we have some either sex hunts uh around some urban areas but really we've we've cut all those out and uh, we were just on track to to return those back to uh to the public and yeah it's uh, this winter has uh, definitely uh hold held us back and you know the hard part about winter of course is that you know yeah this winter is bad because it killed all the fawns but there's a lag also a lag effect that all the and obviously adult does uh, mortality is higher than average yeah. and obviously the um uh, obviously th those does that survive this winter um are, are are in terrible body shape you know their fawn their fawns are going to be light you know they're the the fawns that are that are born this coming june um will be lighter um, they're probably, and we know from a lot of historical and other work in other places that light fawns, um, never get as big as, as, as heavier fawns. They never have as many offspring if they're a female and they never get as big a body and antlers if they're a male. And so, so really, I mean, the, <clears throat> the, the worst part 
or the, the reason it takes, you know, five, six years to sort of get back a population on track after you've had a winter. And, and just so you know, I mean, the 2016, 17 winter was not as bad as it, as this winter. This winter was much worse. Yeah. I was uh, working for Utah in 2016, 17 and it sucked, but it was not, it didn't do to the population what it did this year. Yeah. And obviously, you know, other, other States are seeing pretty high mortality of adults and, and, and uh, fawns and calves. And we saw, you know, that so far the, the calf mortality on elk calves that we've collared around Montpelier is markedly lower. It's, uh, I think we're still at, uh, I think, we, well, last time I checked, we were at, we still had, uh, we were at 33% mortality on, on the calves. Holy so calves. They yeah. were hanging, they, they were hanging tough. So you guys are in uh, the low nineties normally on calves survivability. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. in certain areas you've dropped all the way down to 33. So it, it was pretty, no, rough. no, we're, we're in the, we're, we were in the sixties. You're in the sixties, but in certain areas yeah. you've dropped down to 33% uh, on, on the calves. Yeah. On no, the no, calves. no, I'm sorry. 30, 66 and 33 make a hundred. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. No, I, w- I was, I was going from one side to the other. Okay. So sorry about that. No, no, you're fine. So no. And, 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 and the hard part is, is of course, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's the 25th of April. And we still have until probably the middle of May before we get any green up. And unfortunately, animals have to, you know, have their gut transit, their gut flora transition from where they go from sort of winter gut flora, which is used, which is more apt to um, digest woody vegetation um, and to more of a flora that is higher protein diet and in that transition um you know even in good years we lose more animals um just because that transition you know they've got stomach issues for one or two weeks where where their gut flora is changing over and uh and it's hard on their body so when they've already been taxed so we don't know what the final outcome of this mortality event is going to be for for probably another month another month that's uh i think that's a hard part for people to understand because as soon as the snow is gone they think automatically the animals start to improve and basically you have what a month almost that it's going to take them from the time that green up till their body adjusts and they can start Mm -hmm. to finally start packing on weight yeah and it was interesting obviously the the calves that were the fawns the deer fawns that we caught um in unit 76 around the Montpelier area, you know, it's, we weigh every one of them. And, uh, the last two that were surviving that are to my knowledge, still surviving were the only two fawns that weighed hundred pounds. And that really speaks to the fact the well, a couple facts. One is that mule deer take in, take into the winter, their, all their body stores on their back. It's, you know, winter range is not, um, a place where mule deer gain weight. And, and the other thing is, is that it really sort of, to me, focuses on, focuses in on the importance of summer range and how heavy fawns can survive much more intense situ- weather situations. And we know from doing mule deer work for the last, you know, 
almost well, 25, over 25 years that, you know, mule deer weights are so important to survival and the um, summer and the summer range is so important. And the one sort of variable that is at least in Eastern Idaho, that the hardest thing on deer is winter. Yeah. And, you know, we get, you know, we had, so I've, Worked for Idaho Fishing Games since 2005, and we had bad winters in 2010. We had a um, horrible winter in 2010, and then 2016-17, which you know you experienced uh, south of the border in Utah, and and now and now this 22-23 uh, winter. And you know it's uh, you know the the great I, I guess the the silver lining of this is mule deer are incredibly good at rebounding. You know, under optimal conditions, you know, mule deer can increase at, you know, almost, well, over over 25% per year. Oh, per year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think yeah, it's because of the twinning. Yeah. It's be basically after a, after a doe is, um, you know, their first fawn is usually a single, but after that, they're twins for at least the next three or four cycles, depending on their body condition. And uh, so the thing is, is that, you know, we can see deer populations rebound. I mean, our highest deer population in the past 20 years was in 2016. And that was after the 2010 winter, because they had just, they had mild winters and wet summers. And it just, you know, it, it just increased their survival increase their weights and increase their body condition to the point where they could actually start putting more animals on the hillside, which in those great conditions, it can be done. And obviously, you know, bad winters, dry summers, make it hard on mule deer. Yeah. Yeah. Can you uh, talk about, uh, I know Utah does this a lot and they don't like to do it necessarily, but winter feeding on mule deer. Can you talk about it? Uh, I, I, I've been involved in it a lot, and I mean, there's mixed results. It costs a lot of money, and you're only feeding a small portion of deer, and then there's that side of disease that also comes into play. Can you talk about how Idaho has done it this year? I know you have a few sites, but... So we, we've had, we had quite a few sites this year. Um, you know, we, 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 do two, we, we do winter feeding for two reasons. One is for public safety like to keep elk off of a highway from crossing a highway back and forth um, and to keep mostly elk from feed lines for disease issues. Uh, you know, mostly, um, you know, the brucellosis issues that are within the sort of the greater Yellowstone area, yeah. you know, that, that yeah. where brucellosis exists. Brucellosis doesn't exist everywhere in elk, but <clears throat> at least... Um, so we, 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 we feed for that and then we feed for sort of nutrition on the nutritional side of, of things. And yeah, it's, it, it is a tough thing. I mean, obviously you never know, um, how the winter is going to be, uh, feeding, um, you know, emergency in Idaho, it's called emergency winter feeding. And, um, you know, we have criteria for each and every region and a five person um, public member panel that basically meet on a 
as needed basis, even up to weekly to talk about whether we need to start feeding. So, um, and the, the criteria that the, the criteria they use are, uh, you know, the sustained snow depth, uh, the, the average temperature, and of course, uh, body condition of the deer. So you can look at a deer um, from the, and it, it, it doesn't take a lot and you can find the, the references on, on the internet, but basically from the, from the geometry of the rump, you can actually get a pretty good idea of how, what kind of body condition that deer is in. And the more angular it gets, the, the lower the body condition. Basically, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> so, so it's, uh, it goes from a very smooth, you know, rump to a very angular one. And that would be the, the, the sort of the. Is that the loin thickness the, measurements they're often taking in these captures? Uh, no, it's, uh, more, it's rump fat, basically. It's, 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 it, you're basically visually grading rump fat, but, you know, we take, uh, body condition scores, um, on all the critters. And, you know, part of that is, uh, uh, you know, the inter interstitial fat, you know, how, 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 how evident, you know, how, how heavy is the ribs, uh, obviously the loin fat, the rump fat and even in some studies uh we uh where we can we actually do uh ultrasound and actually physically measure the rump fat oh. at a very specific spot uh near the base of the tail and that is a great indication of body condition um and is really sort of relative to how good the summer was and how good the summer range was for them do you have areas that are providing like the best summer habitat and other areas you know you're going to struggle with these deer no matter whether it's a regular winter or not absolutely i mean and a lot of that um a lot of that at least in my 18 years with this in in idaho has been uh, the difference between you know um you know the 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 not really the difference, but the effect of, of large-scale wildfires. I mean, where we've had habitat conversion from sagebrush, bitterbrush to cheatgrass, you know, it, it's, it's hard for deer to make a living. I mean, deer, mule deer have the shortest gut length of any wild ungulate in North America. That, and what that translates into is they have to have the highest protein levels in their food to be able to get out of the food what they can before it you know before they they end digestion whereas you know you compare an elk where they have one of the longest digestions where they can eat very low quality uh food and actually get something out of it where deer has their short gut and they need to eat high quality food so they can get 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 goodness out of it um, and nutrition. So, so the thing is, is that, yeah, definitely, um, range quality and probably the biggest factor in range quality, at least I've seen on the, on the landscape scale has been these large fires, you know, the Murphy complex fire, which burned, oh, close to 15 years ago, I think it was, uh, 
maybe even 16 years ago, it was uh, it was 700,000 acres. It burned in three days. Holy cow. Went from sagebrush, lots of areas that the sagebrush was, you know, five feet and higher to being, you know, just a giant grass plain. And, you know, you, you can only affect when you're dealing with landscape scales, you know, habitat changes like that. You just, it's hard to get, to, to get that, to go back to the way it was, unless you wait for years and years and years, you know, you can plant sagebrush, you can fly on seed mixes and all those things. And they're all good. But I think, um, I can point to some examples, um, in Idaho where, you know, we've just had this continuous fire cycle that just basically creates very, very poor, uh, winter range and summer range for, for deer. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's very hard. I mean, and, and, you know, it's, you, you can't to affect habitat at that level. It, it takes a huge amount of money and it takes a yeah. huge amount of luck. I mean, yeah. actually, because I mean, I don't know how many States in the West plant, uh, you know, seedlings, but we, we plant hundreds of thousands of seedlings in Idaho every year, uh, trying to, to rehab, uh, you know, burned over winter ranges and, you know, in good summers, you get pretty good seedling survival and other times the cheatgrass takes over. Well, it's the cheatgrass or the fact that they just, the, the plants just don't survive. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just rough conditions and, uh, you know, and, and they're doing work. They're doing more work on how to get better, stronger plant stock, trying to, uh, you know, so when they do plant these, these, you know, burned over areas or conversion, uh, converting something, trying to convert it back into some, you know, shrub step environment, uh, they'll, they will have higher successes. So it's not like people are just doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome, but, um, but it is, uh, it's a big job. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, and it's important to all wildlife, not just big game, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter. Yep. I know, uh, one of the challenges after meeting with the biologist last week from Utah, they have a unit that, like you said, with multiple burns, the habitat's just not there. They had 25% survivability for adults in that unit just because of all the burns they've had and there's just no habitat and so it just creates more and more challenges and every year it's like they're hoping they go and replant and reseed and then all of a sudden they get another fire and it just wipes all that work out yeah i mean i've been on plantings uh where there were literally deer following the planting crew pulling the seedlings out because they because they were succulent and good food yeah and that's the only feed that's there well yeah and it's uh and you know you look at you know i, I think i think you know, you know you look at some of these burns that have not had you know they've had we've had a burn we've gone in there done a bunch of work spent a bunch of money and they are coming back i mean there are places that are coming back it's not it's not doom and gloom everywhere but you know it's it's a it's 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 a long, hard road and some places are doing better than others. And like you say, the, you know, the, 
the frequency, the fire frequency, um, re, you know, really yeah. at, at some point th- thwarts you. And, you know, and it's these invasive annuals, you know, you get cheatgrass, you get Medusa head. I mean, there is a number, not, <laughs> not, 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 not much nutritional value for much there. I mean, uh, um, obviously, uh, compared to what native shrub step range would be. Yeah. The last question I have for you is everybody is always going to ask, what's the next step going forward with this hard winter? Just like 2016, 17, what, do you, what are your next steps? Obviously, you've reduced the antlerless. You have them around the urban areas. I'm assuming to lower depredation. But what do yeah, you, what I mean, do you do it's, moving uh, forward? Uh, uh, w- well, I mean, obviously, we will be uh, monitoring deer populations as we always have. Um, we are, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, harvest will be down. I mean, obviously, if we lost adult does that we have collared, we, we don't, for the most part, collar adult bucks. Um, yeah, I don't know too many states that do other than special no, it's, 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 projects. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. So if we know we've got adult does, mortality is higher than normal. Obviously, adult buck mortality will be higher than normal. Um, You know, harvest will be down. Um, Not all the deer are gone um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, We are, you know, there there are a lot of, uh, you know, we we don't... uh, most of those units, well, all of, well, most of those units are general, um, and they will, uh, they will rebound as they always have. Um, I don't think that, uh, you know, obviously if there was a silver bullet, I think everybody would be using it by now. Yeah. Um, obviously in places where, um, <clears throat> you know, in what, uh, what other states are doing is, you know, which mostly have controlled hunts. They've reduced those control tags. Um, obviously, the there will be less critters on the hill, and and there will be less people that hunt um, because uh, you know it's it's and we we've seen that where as populations increase, more people go hunting, and as populations decrease, less people go hunting. Um, I I think that uh, you know there are. Uh, I, th- I think the important thing is is monitoring those populations and seeing how they're doing and 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 making sure that you know we can ensure deer populations long into the future and and I, I yeah it's um, that and and I guess from the Idaho you know the statewide perspective is there's a lot of the state that did did great this year you know the survival is going to be great there's going to be lots of two points on the hill. Um, and, uh, you know, and nobody will know the better. And obviously, um, you know, with bucks only hunting, uh, you know, you're, you're hunting such a small fragment of the population already that, um, you know, there are, there are, there are, there are not many levers to really pull. Um, closing down the season is not going to. It's, it's not, you, you can't bank deer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, I think some um, people would like to. Re, re, you know, absolutely. Reducing <laughs> the, re, reducing the, you know, the average, 
uh, hunter in Idaho hunts right around five days in a season. So if you cut the season from two weeks to five days, you still you should probably get in the same amount of effort. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a conundrum, and and Idaho has seen it before, um, and we will see it again. And and you know the the great thing is is that part of Idaho is probably also one of the most productive mule deer places we have in the state. It's right at the end of the Great Basin and has the best soils and the best opportunity for you know population growth and uh you know they they will come they will come back and uh i i have no doubt yeah just keep but, thinking back to that statement you said uh you can get up to 25 percent increase in in a single season yeah. based on yeah, o- over over 25 percent. yeah and that's yeah. just crazy to you know that shows how good of habitat and things that have to be in place for that to happen but you guys have pretty good habitat in general and it's the winners that are that suck but uh, that'd be awesome to see uh it bounce back like that you know you'll have to see what this summer does based upon moisture and how much you get and then going into winter yeah i mean and obviously you know this this summer is going to be a good moisture year um because we've we're gonna you know obviously there's still a lot of snow yeah yeah. (laughs) and uh, there'll be a lot of wet meadows that uh, you know have been dry for the past for the previous couple years because we haven't been getting a lot of moisture so it will actually be good 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 habitat this summer but um and then you're going to have a reduction in deer so now there's more food for less mouths and so yeah i mean it's uh yeah mule deer management is one of those things that you know i've actually when i came to the agency uh 18 years ago that was what I was working on was mule deer's mule, mule deer management. And, uh, it was a program called the mule deer initiative. And it was all about really kind of doing good things for mule deer, but also helping people understand the realities of mule deer biology. And really the fact that, you know, <clears throat> you know, this, the, you know, the trends in mule deer are across the entire West. It's not just Idaho. No, it's not. It's, it's, and, you know, there, there are opportunities to, you know, there are levers we can pull, um, you know, to change, you know, to change things for hunting. And we have been very diligent about, you know, keeping up with hunter opinions and attitudes to make sure that we're doing what the average Idaho hunter wants us to do. Uh, but what, they, what they've said time and time again is that being able to go hunt is way more important than having an opportunity every five or 10 years to, to find a mature buck, a, you know, big mature buck. And, uh, because there are a lot of places, you know, because the habitat is so good that it, we raise good mature bucks in in general areas, you know, they, they don't necessarily have to be controlled. And we've got a, I think Idaho, you know, after the 2007, um, I think it was the 2008 mule deer plan, you know, we set forth a, uh, some new, uh, controlled hunts to basically have a smattering of controlled opportunities and general opportunities for people to go. So they could not only, you know, continue hunting the hunting heritage with their kids and families, but they could also potentially draw for a, uh, you know, a little bit or, uh, you know, 
less, you know, less, less hunter density, um, you know, higher success rate hunts if they so chose. Awesome. That's all. Yeah. I really like the way you guys do stuff every time I visit your state and the way, the way things are going. I mean, each state is managed different based upon what their constituents want, but no, I really enjoy coming to Idaho and, and the way you guys manage stuff. So I appreciate you sitting down with me. Thank you. I know you guys have constant schedules, uh, meetings, and so I appreciate this conversation we've been able to have. Yeah, you bet. Again, I just want to thank Toby Boudreaux from the Idaho Fishing Game Mule Deer or Deer and Elk Coordinator for the conversation that we had. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions or people you'd like me to interview, let me know. You guys stay wild. Have a great day.